Hey, welcome everybody. This is Marketing Management Money, the podcast about all things small business. And uh, we're going to talk about something that at first glance a lot of people might not think uh, is an important business topic. However, I've seen this time and time again. In fact, what spurred the thought for me was this just happened to me recently, personally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not in a good way. And I'm excited <laughs> for the backstory. <laughs> and, and so uh, we're going to talk about nepotism. Nepotism in business. And the, uh, the issue uh, that comes up is that it always comes up. Now, a lot of people, and, and okay, I, I, I first want to put some parameters out there. Uh, I mean, I believe the true definition of nepotism, I should have looked this up, uh, but I believe the true definition of nepotism is uh, family it members. Is. Yeah. But uh, I'm, I'm going to include... Do you want the backstory? It actually is a Latin word from nepos, which means nephew. So direct family. So nepotism is hiring of family, even though nowadays it's broadened to include best friend and et well, cetera, et cetera. And maybe we'll touch on that or not. But I'm going to put my definition up front. And that this is my personal definition. <laughs> And uh, and I think this will help so that uh, the listeners can understand the context in which I am, you know, mm-hmm. uh, talking. So my personal definition is nepotism in business is any time that you put the relationship above the skill set. Yeah, and that's actually a correct definition. Uh, and and so and it happens often. Generally, it's tied more to family because it's or close close friends. Yeah, but even in business, a lot of times you'll start working with someone, you'll see the person that gets promoted because they have a better relationship with yes. the uh, boss, uh, and it creates a lot of frustration because the person who has a better skill set or is more qualified does not get the promotion. Uh, and so that's what we're going to be talking about. You know, When we say nepotism, I don't want to stick to strictly family, but we will touch on you know family and how family impacts things. Uh, things so anyway the, uh, the 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 backstory that and i have to be very careful because when you say family uh you know i mean i can change the names all i want but it's pretty obvious who my family is so i'm gonna keep this story a little bit vague uh on purpose uh, i apologize for that in advance but uh, essentially what happened was um, I had uh, I had been working with a family member and I could have gone outside and uh, just gotten something done pretty easily but I had a family member who could get something taken care of for me uh, a little bit of a side project not a big deal and we came up with an original agreement nothing in writing um, and it was just hey let's do this and uh, they came back and, you know, updated the agreement, uh, which is, you know, uh, like, so you could look at it and say, shame on me for not getting anything in writing. But I'm going to argue that when you start dealing with nepotism, even putting it in writing doesn't matter. It, well, it, it does, but it depends on what you're willing to do. And in this situation, I didn't even argue with the family member. You know, there's like, oh, I think it should be this way. And I was like, fine, you know. And it ended up costing me uh, a chunk of change. And I just paid it because I'm like, 
I want the relationship. You know, I'm not burning this bridge over that, you know, that small sum of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, I like, I should have known better and I'll probably trip over that same log again in the future. <laughs> But, but if you go into it knowing it, you know, that that's a possibility. It's one thing. But, see, the frustrating thing but with you is that, um, or the advantage, I say, the advantage you had in this scenario is that it was one-on-one, right? Yeah. There were no other employees or uh, individuals involved to help compound the situation. And, and, it and generally t- nepotism compounds because – other people around who are affected by it, you know, by that promotion. Um, and so it, it leads to so many other problems inside of an organization. Yeah, and that's a good point. And I, I'm going to let you run with this for just a second, but I want to put uh, the first clarifying point out there um, with what I did, but then also use it as a, a good uh, piece of advice for uh, people that are, you know, deciding should I, you know, hire my cousin to do X, Y, Z. So the particular thing that I did, uh, it was contract work. And so either I would have contracted with a family member or I would have just contracted with an independent, you know, someone that I didn't know or have a relationship with. It was a very short one-time deal. Uh, you know, I just needed the, uh, you know, I, I just needed this, uh, this deliverable taken care of. And so one of the things that I recommend when you're dealing with nepotism is, you know, know your risks going into it. And one of those risks is how quickly can you cut it off? Because now I've cut this deal off and I don't have to worry about, as you were kind of hinting at the, you know, the tentacles of yeah. nepotism that start to reach and really, you know, wrap around other aspects of the business. So, so you know, I gave a little bit of advice that uh, understand your risks and know when you can cut things off. Let's, uh, I, I want you to run with a, a second when you talk about, you know, the far reaching, the unintended consequences. Like what, what, what are you getting at there? Well, it's not uncommon that, I mean, and this is, I think this is the most common one is when someone... Uh, is promoted that wasn't the most qualified. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to say the most because perspective would say that they weren't qualified when I argue they just weren't the most qualified. Mm-hmm. Um, it leads to tons of uh, lower morale on the side of a company. Yeah. When other employees say, well, why didn't I get this one? You know, um, uh, their incentive to work hard and, you know, the sacrifice for the company is no longer there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I, over, if you Google it, you can see all kinds of lawsuits that have come from <laughs> nepotism, mm-hmm. um, that have been out there. So it's, you know, it's just a tough, tough issue and it's come, you know, complex in many ways. You know, I make for most people, I, you know, I, we, we say this all the time that it's, I, I get more places in life by the people I know than through my own efforts. Right. Okay. But when you know people and your skill set align, it's always works out really well. But the thing that I tell people all the time when it comes to nepotism, if they think it's going on or maybe they're going to get overlooked inside the organization, I'm always like, all right, have you been building relationships? 
because too often we just we just oh their family they're gonna get you know or oh I don't I'm never close enough to that boss well why don't you find ways because there's a reality whether you like it or not um, you know and we try to avoid nepotism but if if I look at two people and and I deem them to be of equal skill set I'm gonna go with the one that I think I work better with yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and that was, and that's not an uncommon scenario, but the person who didn't get it, um, if they feel that they were the more qualified for whatever reason, and, and there's probably some justification to it, it just, they never recover. So uh, one thing I do want to point out, and I don't really want to linger on this, but I think it's worth mentioning is that, uh, a lot of times if you're a hiring manager, or if you're an entrepreneur and you've got to build the team, a lot of times you're not going to have these apples to apples comparison. You know, if you're debating between two people, one person might have real strong analytical skills. They might have more years of experience. The other person might have better, uh, you know, tech skills and uh, maybe they're a little bit more hungry. And so you could see them working harder. And, and so, it's not always clear cut. It's not always like, okay, you know, these two people are identical and this person's skill set is better than the other person's skill set. Um, and then there are things like uh, making sure they mesh not only with you, but with the team. I look at a lot of coaches, uh, and I'm not talking high level, you know, professional coaching. I'm talking if you've ever had to uh, just volunteer for the little league, or, uh, you know, if you're a, a weekend warrior soccer coach or something, and you start looking at players, there are players that have an amazing skill set, but they don't know how to play with a team. And so you'll actually, yeah. you know, pass them by because you're like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that's one of the best, you know, one of the best shooters that, that I know, but they'll never pass the ball. And I'm building a team here, not building a player. And, you know, the same thing applies for businesses. Like, okay, that salesperson, man, they can close a deal, but they're going to just ruin my accounting department by the time they're done yeah. closing their deals. Yeah. Um, so by definition, again, at the beginning, it's generally when all things are equal, we show favoritism towards a family member. Yeah. And, and by definition, it's, uh, whether you like it or not, it's been broadened today to be a close relative or a close friend or anyone else, not just immediate family. Mm -hmm. And so, so you're, and, and in some cases, I mean, there are some documented cases that someone was promoted who was totally incompetent because mm -hmm. they were family, yeah. you know? But, so that's the one thing you have to watch out for is, is there a double standard, mm -hmm. right? Am, am I giving favoritism to someone who clearly isn't qualified, but because um, I have to see them on the weekends and at family reunions and other things, and I don't want to deal with the family issues. Am I, am I showing undue favoritism when I shouldn't? Yeah. Okay. Now there's... Um, I want to talk about maybe things we should be doing because we can talk about nepotism and the problems, but I think we understand that instead of, all right, how do we, how do we kind of keep ourselves from getting in that position? Because, um, uh, everyone has, whether you like it or not, it always comes up in the workplace. It just does. And, and that's, so I agree with you. Let's, let's talk about, you know, how to manage this. And I, I really want to emphasize this point that it's there, you're biased, 
I don't care how much you think you don't. You're like, no, 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 we, we have systems in place to make sure that that doesn't happen. And that's good. It's good to have systems in place to curb that, to limit how much it happens. But it's still happening. You're a human being. It will pop up. And so, you know, let's talk about how to best manage it and, and some best practices so that when it pops up, you know, we're we're on the good side of nepotism. It's not all bad. Yeah. You know, I, I agree. Um, <clears throat> one thing that I always recommend is job descriptions with that have detail in the job descriptions. Okay. So, so if I have a good job description out there and it has details in it, then when now I'm in an interviewing process, even if it's family and I'm nervous that uh, I kind of recognize they're not the best, but I feel kind of in a bad position. When I start asking a question like, Hey, um, do you understand formulas inside of an Excel spreadsheet? And they go, no. Right? Okay, it gives me it gives me better validation that afterwards if I don't hire them and say, hey, look, when it came down to this question, this question, this question, you, you couldn't you couldn't provide that skill set. Yeah. So we went with this individual. But so let's work on that so that the next time this position comes open, uh, you're the one who gets it, right? Mm-hmm. So I like the job description with details in it because it just helps guide us in our interviewing and the questions we want to ask to make sure that we're uh, not putting ourselves in a bad position. So uh, I have two thoughts. They're kind of on different ends of, uh, of this. Uh, one, you mentioned having uh, skill sets that are kind of like required skill sets. I love to take the, uh, I'm, I'm going to call it the doctor test or the airline pilot test. Okay. Right? So, would I want my airline pilot to be kind of good at what he's doing? <laughs> or do I want him dialed in? <laughs> and, you know, would I want my heart surgeon, does she need to know exactly what she's doing? Or does she need to be just kind of good? good? And, you know, if I'm going to have that standard, the, the funny thing is, is people understand with a heart surgeon, like, I, I would not mess around with a heart surgeon. I'm like, your CFO is so critical to your business. Mm-hmm. Why in the world are you picking your poor spouse? I see this happen all the time. For whatever reason, it's always the spouse that ends up being the CFO. <laughs> And sometimes the spouse has a background in finance, but more often than not, the spouse is the one that does the household budget. I'm kind of talking for startups here. I mean, when you get to a mid-sized company, this isn't really the issue. Well, I've seen it in mid-sized. That's true. They did about $8 million in annual sales. And it was the, uh, you know, the husband started the business and he understood the business really well. And the wife ended up doing the financials and they were, they were stuck and they were having problems. And so I went and looked and I'm like, Hey, why don't I do a financial training for you? And so they ended up attending one of my, it was actually the growth by numbers Mm -hmm. uh, training. And, um, and we actually did it specifically for them. Like, you know, they were having enough problems mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, I mean, we're going we're gonna to come in and do this, this training specifically for you. And the wife, like she was lost. She could not keep oh, up with the basic no. training. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, this is a training that is for anyone 
who needs to brush up on their mm-hmm. financial literacy. You run the books for an $8 million company and you can't keep up with this. This is a serious problem here, you yeah. know. And instead of doing anything about it, they just ignored it. And they're just like, no, we're, we're good. We're going to keep doing things the way we've been doing things. I'm like, good luck, you know. Your problems <clears throat> will continue. Yeah, you know. But so anyway, um, you know, the, 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 the doctor test, the airline pilot test, uh, should be the same level of test that you should be doing for, you know, whoever's over your marketing, whoever's over your finance, whoever's over, uh, you know, your your inventory or whatever you happen to, uh, you know, front of the house managers. Like, they, they need to have a certain level of competence. And so that's, uh, you know, that, that that's one thing that... Uh, that I, that I want to uh, point out and make sure that people are understanding. The other thing that I think is important, shifting gears here, you know, you talk about having a detailed job description. Uh, many supervisors struggle with that. And to me, that's actually an indication of maybe the supervisor is not in the right position. As a supervisor, you should know all positions immediately under you. I mean, I'm not talking about multiple steps. Yeah. If you know, if you if you are upper management, and then you've got mid management, then you've got supervisors, and then you've got you know the general workforce. You don't have to know the job descriptions of the general workforce. Well, and let me while you're on this point, I want to chase this because this is one of the thoughts that always comes to my mind, um, and then we'll mm-hmm. tie it back in with what you're saying, and that is. Um, you know, if you're, if your supervisors are struggling with those job descriptions and things, what we find too often is that someone performs really good in a position. So instead of really doing an interview and looking at skill sets, we just, they're doing a great job. Let's just promote them into this next position. They'll do great. Well, we promote them into incompetency. Yeah. The Peter principle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a lot of times it may not be directly nepotism, but because they have been a good performer, they had the skill sets at that level. So we promote them into the next one thinking they're going to be successful, but they start to fall. Mm-hmm. And now we're super frustrated because we're like, you know, what's going on and uh, why, you know, why have, um, why aren't they performing anymore? Well, that's, we just promote them into incompetency. And the frustrating piece is everyone else around sees it as well. So mm-hmm. now you, you've, you've had the same net negative effect on your organization as if you did nepotism. So I think that that's not even the worst case scenario. I think the worst case scenario is when you promote someone into mediocrity and you're probably going to pull the Latin out on me and tell me that I'm using the word mediocrity incorrectly. (laughs) No. (laughs) So when you promote someone up, if you promote them to a level of incompetency and everyone can see it, you at least can address a problem. But when you promote someone up to where they're just, they're good enough, but all of a sudden you killed the growth potential of your company or that department because the person is good enough to not screw up, but they're not good enough to actually do anything. And yeah. so you took, you know, you, you took a high performer, made him an average performer, and just capped your growth in that department. To me, that's the worst case scenario because that right. lingers with you for years, sometimes decades. And, that, and then whether you like it or not, that's generally the problem that we have um, in many cases of nepotism was we've promoted someone outside or above their skill set, and they just can't perform at that level. Mm-hmm. And so... It just leads to all kinds of problems with that. So jumping back now to your, you know, when the supervisors, you know, 
maybe don't understand some of that, that's that's a good key indicator that there's an, a bigger problem that we need to address. Yeah. Not so, necessarily nepotism, but... So, so your supervisors or you need to be able to do create detailed job descriptions of everyone immediately below you. And those job descriptions need to be detailed enough that you can ask the question, you know, like calculate this formula. You know, if that's not something that you're comfortable asking, you need to brush up on what people below you are doing. It doesn't mean, I love the example of an orchestra. The conductor does not actually make music. They sit there and wave their baton. And they don't have to be the best flautist or the best uh, violinist or the best pianist, uh, but they have to have a good enough knowledge of every single instrument so that if something is out of tune, they know where to stop and fix that. If someone is not following their music, they know where to stop and fix that. And so as a conductor, you're not required to be the most proficient in every instrument, but you are required to have a level of understanding of those instruments so that you know where to problem solve. Yeah. Another one uh, to help avoid problems is if if you're a small family-owned business and you have other employees, don't hide behind the fact that uh, this will always be a family-owned business and that's just the way it's going to be. And if you don't like it, then get a job somewhere else, right? Because too often we want, they're a good employee, we want to keep them, but we kind of just lead them along, you know, knowing that in reality... You know, son or daughter is going to take over the organization. Um, and, you know, now it might take years to get that, you know, that family member, you know, up to speed and trained and a little bit of education. And in the meantime, we have a good employee out there who's thinking maybe one day they can move into some of these positions, even though we had no intent. I, I, I always say, look, if, if you have intentions of being a family owned business, don't hide the fact that that's how it's going to be. Right, because it's not bad to move family through that. Okay, if you if you want to stay family owned business for whatever reason, um, that's not nepotism. In those cases, aren't necessarily bad. The principle that makes it bad is when you kind of lead other employees along, like, oh yeah, you'll have room for growth, and oh yeah, if this opens up. But every time it opens up, one of your family members gets put into that position. You're just burning bridges. Versus if they knew, hey, look. We appreciate what you do. We're going to reward you, but we're going to stay a family-owned business. They're going to eventually move into these positions. That way, you're, they know at some point in time if, you know, they can step away and go look for something else if it's never going to pan out for them. I just so there's to see it too so often. much here. And and I'm 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 going to pull it back to something and this is not you'll have to understand the concept behind this. I'm not specifically saying this is how to do it. But I think the concept is, is pretty obvious. So, they're, they're, man, like we could do a whole episode on what you just said. And honestly, we could do a whole series on what you just said. There's so much to unpack with that issue right there. So this is what I'm going to start with, right? I personally think that any entrepreneur, especially first generation, should go to their kids and try and get them out of the business when they are young. And everyone tries to get them in the business. 
I think you should try and get them out of the business because there's so much pressure for a second-generation kid to feel like they have to take over the business. Right. And it's not fair to them. And so you should actually give them a big, wide-open door for them to leave without any hard feelings, without any pressure. Um, And then if they're like, no, I don't want to leave, then start working with them. So this is what I'm going to recommend. I think you should take – so if you expect them to be CEO one day, right – you should take whatever salary that CEO should walk away with. Um, bonuses included. Like, what would they make in a year? So if it's, let's, let's say, $150,000, right? This CEO of the business should walk away with $150,000. You should take $150,000 and give it to your kid and say, I'm paying you $150,000 to get out of the business. You take that money, you go get a college education, you go start your own business, you go, you know, put it down on a house, invest in the stock market. I don't care what you do. You you, you want to, you know, do a trip to Tahiti. I don't care what you do with this money. Here's money for you to get out of the business. But by taking this money, you now are out of the business. And make it, make it seductive and sexy, you know, make it like appealing for them and get them out early on because they might not want to be in that business. You know, you want to give something to your kids. Well, give it to your kids. Let them get out of the business and let the kids that want to stay. So then later on when they're saying, oh, well, my brother, he, you know, he's getting everything in the business. I'm like, yeah, you took $150,000. You went and blew it on stupid stuff. Your brother turned down the $150,000 and he worked his way up in the business. And so, like, I think you need to do stuff to get your kids out of the business, not the majority of second generation entrepreneurs, their kids don't want the business, even when they think they do. There's like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I really want to do that. I'm like, no, you don't. You want the lifestyle. See, if it gets to a second generation, by the time, you know, that kid is looking at coming into the business, there's decades of hard work that have gone into oh, this yeah. business. And so, yeah, of course they want it because the trees are mature and there's lots of fruit coming off of them. They didn't yeah. have to plant the seeds. Yeah. I, it reminded me of when I just earlier this year, a company I worked with, um, and this had been going on for a while before I finally, they were asking me, you know, perspective and thoughts on it. But um Great business, doing well, good employees, good contracts. Um, Dad's weeding himself out of the company. Uh, One of the sons is stepping into that role. Mm. About that same time, uh, the son's relationship with his spouse goes south. Kids are involved. Um, He has a fairly decent um, uh, income because of the nature of the business. And um, so they, out of fear of settlements and, uh, you know, alimony and child support and all that, because it's based off of income, Mm -hmm. uh, they cut his income significantly. But in doing so, they had to cut everyone. So it didn't look like they just cut Oh, this is a disaster. Yeah. So they 
because if they cut just his, it shows up in court, you know, as they yeah, start looking. Right. And they're going to say, you did this just to, right. So they cut <sighs> everybody's across the board. Wow. Yeah. And so those are the, when I hear stories like that, I'm just like, okay, this is why nepotism has such a horrific, um, I mean, it's, it might as well be a four letter word in business many days because yeah. it's just scenarios like this just lead to why they, uh, so many people hate nepotism because think about it. If I'm one of those employees now and I just get shafted because of the, my boss's relationship problems, man, not cool. Right. Oh yeah. I got penalized for your mistake. Yeah. Well, and. The thing well, is, and here's the funny thing. Well, anyways, the the business from that one scenario has never recovered. Oh, they won't. They won't. That yeah, it that's was too, too detrimental. Big of a blow. Yeah, it was too detrimental for employee morale. Uh, it affected some contracts and other things because em- employee morale. Anyways, it just it's it will never be what it was. I don't know if in a few years after the death settles, it will get back to where it is, but. Um, yeah, no, no matter of financial, um, assistance and counseling or whatever else will fix that problem. And just uh, wise up people and look at any family. There's always a divorce somewhere in the family. There's always, you know, like this person's not talking to this person and even if it's not blatant, cause I've seen families that are like, no, 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 our family gets along just fine. And I'm like, ah, you just have personalities that aren't really loud. Like, they still... No, it's because you guys live on other sides of the country and you don't see each other enough. Yeah, like, family feuds are yeah, so prevalent. So don't think that you're exempt from it. Don't don't be like, oh, no, it'll never happen to, to us or, you know. Which does bring up something, so I want to get your take on this. Putting stuff in writing with family. Should you put it in writing? Uh, yes, uh, even though we generally don't. And let me tell you why. I think anyone that I talk to has, uh, who does any level of their own entrepreneurism, because you're always chasing little squirrels and uh, different opportunities, right? Uh, one of those always has to do with family. And every time I talk to someone, including myself, because I've had a few, um, it's a family. We're good. You know, they'll never go bad. Don't make things right. Um, who got the short end of the straw? I did. Yeah. So, yeah, I do. I do things in writing now. Oh, oh, okay. But and this is where it gets a little complicated. Everyone should recognize that if you're going to put something in, there are two reasons to put something in writing. One is for clarification on the front end. Yeah. And that one, no question, just do it. And I'm being slightly hypocritical here because I'm like, you know, I mean, I just told the story of how I didn't put something in writing and the deal changed. But I think it would have been different if you would have had something in writing. Uh, You know, I don't know. I don't. I don't know if the odds are greater. It would have been different. I I knew I was stepping into a bad deal on the front end. (laughs) And the fact that I knew that I was stepping into a bad deal, because there are certain people that like I won't contract with. And if I wasn't connected to them by a tight relationship, friend or family relationship, I would not do business with them. But because it's friend or family, I will do business with them knowing that it's a crappy deal on the front end, knowing that they won't honor their contracts. And if you go into it that way, I'm fine. 
Right? Uh, but, yes but and many, no. Too many, but I'm telling you, there's too many people that go into uh, some type of a family deal, business deal, thinking that there's no way this will go south and we're family and we can work it out and and it always does. Yeah, yeah. So then comes the second part. So the front end clarification, but the back end enforcement. Back end enforcement is the toughest piece, and you know that because, um, it, you know, I, I years ago, um, and I mean years ago when I was young and dumb, and I'm, I'm not now. You're old and dumb. dumb exactly. But at least I had the excuse <laughs> when I was young and dumb. Okay, so I had two excuses, not just one back then. Uh, Borrowed, and this wasn't even a business deal, just borrowed some stuff, um, comes back damaged, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I had an option at that point in time. Do I, do I really force an issue and say, hey, look, you, you obviously- uh, Someone mis- borrowed stuff from you. Yeah. Okay. You, you obviously misused and abused it, hence the reason why you're returning it, you know, marred. And, uh, and at that point in time, I just, I was so mad, 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 mad. But at that young age, I, I made one decision in my life that I've, I think I've lived pretty good by. And that is, um, I, I have to, if the relationship is more important than the money, then don't make it about the money. And if the relationship is more important than money, then don't do money deals, mm-hmm. right? Don't do anything that may affect money, right? Or I'm going to put a caveat to that. I'd say don't do anything that affect money that you care about. Yeah, ex- yeah. All right, good clarification. I agree with that one. Oh. Yeah. So if it if there's a business deal, or if you're looking to uh, uh, maybe uh, move a family member into a higher position, you know what I mean? You're going to promote them, things like that. the The question that comes down to is if it comes, if it ever comes up with an, and money's going to become an issue. You better think twice. Yeah, yeah. Because because you will get burned. Well, and and it's much harder to get rid of family than it is just an employee. Yeah, and one of the things that I want to point out, and we've kind of talked around this, but I I think it's important enough that we make sure that we hit this on this episode, is that the deal is not between you and a family member. And that's another mistake that a lot of times people make is they think they're like, well, why does it matter? Why, you know, uh, there, there was this business that, um, you know, they employed all of their children and wow. there, there were three children and, uh, and these were grown children. Like right. I've seen businesses, you know, when you see that, that startup business and, you know, they're like giving their kids opportunity to make some summer money. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about like they had three fully grown adult children who were married, had children of their own, were employed by the company and provided no value whatsoever to the company. They were just dead weight. And the owner's attitude was that it didn't matter because he's like, "Eh, I got the money, you know. But the problem was is that this particular company was riddled with management issues. You know, they could never get past management issues. They had high turnover. They had low morale. 
and it was a constant struggle. And what always ended up bailing everything out was the owner would step in and work super long hours any time to make up the difference. And so this owner was allowing, you know, his kids to do nothing productive. They were working, you know, literally like half a day a week. And he's working 80 plus hours, ended up screwing up his health over it because, you know, I mean, he's, he's got all this money and his health starts going down the tube because he's working too much. And it's because every time that there was a management issue, he stepped in, he fixed it. He did, you know, I'm like, well, you're subsidizing for everyone. And so if you think that it doesn't, you know, it's like, oh, it's just between me and, you know, me and my kids. And, you know, I just do that for my kids. I'm like, no, no. Everyone in that company sees what they're getting away with and they know what they can get away. You know, like you, the non-family members know what's allowed and what's not allowed. They know where your soft buttons are. And well, and it can be as simple as, you know, the company's buying pop for all my family members, but if an employee touches one of those pops, you know, you're in trouble, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's those are the little things that a lot of times I don't think we recognize when we talk about double standards is, mm-hmm. um, yeah, my family members, they, you know, they get a company car, but the, my lead manager doesn't get a company car. I, I, I see that a lot uh, with, you know, common things, you know, like uh, gas cards, cell phones, company yeah. cars, uh, snacks in the in the break room. You know, right. like, and so, they get tucked in because you're like, ah, eh, it's just a, you know, just, just take, even if, even if the family member doesn't get a company car and it's like, oh, just take the company car and, you know, don't worry about it. And then all of a sudden that's a perk, you know? Right. And, and I'm not saying don't do this. I'm saying be aware of what you're doing. Yeah. And that's exactly right. Pay attention to those little things that might be double standards that are leading to uh, what would be classified as nepotism when they were unintended. Because mm-hmm. there are there are a lot of cases of nepotism that were unintended. They just didn't think anything of it. Well, it's my kid, and, you know, I yeah, I let him take my company car. And I did this, and I let him do that, and da-da-da. And I take him to the jazz games with me or whatever else it may be. But yet other people of equal position and status are not getting the same benefit. So, um, I, I, I was indirectly involved with this company. Um, and what had happened was the owner had sat the management team down and told the management team said, look, you know, things are a little bit tight and, you know, and so I, I was friends with one of the managers. That's why I'm saying I'm indirectly tied with this. And so this uh, one manager had asked for a raise, like, hey, I need a raise, you know, and they kind of asked multiple times, like, when is this coming? What do I need to do to get a raise? Blah, 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 blah. So eventually the entrepreneur sits everyone down and just tells them like, hey, things are tight. And, you know, like I haven't even taken a, uh, you know, a dividend out of the company for X amount of years. Um. And the, you know, my friend, he's like, yeah, he actually uh, drove up in his new car <laughs> that the company had purchased, purchased 
and then proceeded to tell us that he wasn't pulling dividends, <laughs> that person quit. They went and got a different job over that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and so. You know, like, sure, you might not have a check in the mail that comes to you and says, here is your dividend for the quarter. But, you know, if if you were buying a company car and use, you know, buying a company car and giving it to your spouse and yeah. driving the kids around in it, like that's that's nepotism. Like buying your spouse a company car is nepotism. Yeah. You know, uh, you know it, it's just... Nepotism is a tough subject because in some cases uh, it's I think it's fine. In other cases, I think it's horrible mm-hmm. and has done a lot of damage, and people don't even realize it. Right. Um, so it's certainly something to sit down and reanalyze uh, your position, your company, who are in positions. Okay, are they the right people in those positions? Um, do we have good job descriptions out there? You know, do we have any double standards on just even little things, you know, like the pop in the fridge that, you know, the company bought, but only family member gets it and, you know, my best employees don't. Do we have a way to let, like, are we hearing all of the complaints from the employees? Because, of, yeah. like, that's how you know what's really right, bugging right. them. <laughs> yeah. You know, listen to their complaints. And if, yeah. if, if you don't have a good feedback loop... Right. Then you'll be, obli- you know, I mean, we're giving the example of the pop in the fridge and it's like, oh, well, I don't have that problem in my work. Like, but it, it could what, be. I, I what just, problem do you have? Yeah. But that's a small one that sometimes is overlooked. And so you have other small ones like that yeah. that are overlooked. When um, people get to come into the office. Yeah. When they, when do they clock in and out or do they work the same hours? Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a double standard on that one? What do they get written up for or not written right. up for? Yeah. You know, I, and another one that is out there, I always kind of recommend going along with job descriptions is that um, if you feel like you're in a little bit of a gray area um, and you have other people who can do the interviews, step away. Don't get involved in the interviews. If yeah. it's going to be, you know, potentially, and in this case, you know, it might be family, but it could even be just close relationships with people that maybe you're like, yeah, I don't know that they're the best, even though. You know, they've, they're bugging me enough that, hey, you know what, I know you got this position coming up. I got your back. And you well, know what I mean? And are you transparent? You yeah. know, do you, do you tell people, uh, I don't get involved in that kind of stuff. I stay out of it. But then you're, you're you know, going it. out to dinner with them on Friday night. And uh, this isn't a work dinner. Yeah. We're just hanging out. And, well, the question came up and yeah. I just answered it real quick. You know, like if, if, if you are, and again, we're not saying don't do nepotism. We're saying control it and manage it. So right. if, if you're going to stay out of it, you've got to stay out of it. But if you're not going to stay out of it, let people know. Say, hey, yeah, this is my son. He gets some perks. I'm One day he's going to take over the business. And so that's why he's doing all of this. Yeah. And, and you know, and there's, I have, I mean, I have a classic example of a, a large growing company, literally, the the owner said, "Hey, look, I, we're big enough now. I got to have a CEO, mm. okay? But my son is not ready to take that CEO position, and he went out and hired a CEO and said, look, this is a four-year position, <laughs> literally. So you need to know in four years, um, my son will come in and take in this position as he's developed and 
build a skill set and some additional education to do this. Um, he didn't hide behind any of that, mm-hmm. and he says, "You know what? You have at that option. We'll give you a nice, you know, severance, you know, severance or whatever. Uh, or we'll see if we can restructure at that time. But you need to know right now when you take this one, it's a four-year position. Yeah, and in four years, that transition happened. Mm-hmm. And he didn't hide anything, and I just thought yeah, it was cool to kind of watch it because I at the beginning I was like, oh yeah, the interesting see what the, but." He, he was straightforward on all of it, and because of it, there was no heartache or feeling or any of that because he was very transparent in the intentions of how he was doing things, why he was doing it. Um, well, and I really like that he put a time frame to it because I see a lot of people, one day my son will take over. Yeah. Well, what does one day mean? You know, like right. I've, I've got this, you know, like like this ticking time bomb. Yeah. Well, because the, the one day means that if they ever get the skill set and I think they're competent <laughs> enough and they stop I don't really trust them. them. <laughs> right. Versus, no, I, it's, you know what, they're on that path. I know they're they're meeting it. I'm not well, just going to milk them along. And, and that put the pressure on the son. I mean, I, I wasn't involved in that deal, yeah. so I can't give any specifics. So hypothetically, or me kind of, you know, imposing some assumptions here, but that would put the pressure on the son to be like, you've got four years to figure your crap out yeah. and you better be up to this guy's level. Right. You know, like yeah. I expect this level of performance in four years. Yeah. You can, you can gauge after six months, am I on track or not? Yeah. And I, you know, it was kind of interesting in the, in the beginning, um, you know, that I don't know how serious the son was or this or that, but you know, I, he, he seemed a little bit lackadaisical, but as the time went on, I really saw him mature. I, yeah. cause he, I think exactly what you said, he realized that, Hey, look, you, you have a time frame in which you've got to get yourself ready. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, if you're going to play in the big leagues, you got to get your act together. Yeah, yeah. And I don't say that he was a screw up or anything in the beginning, but, but with any position and company, we have to mature with it as well, right? Yeah. Well, and there's even brain maturity. People want to put someone in when they're like 18 years old. It's like, okay, you know, yeah. or even, hey, now you finished college. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. Wait till they're 30. Put them in when they're third. If you want to have them work every position in the company between that time and whenever, right? You know, but just I think a good practice. Yeah, and so, so I think daughters, you could do a little bit. You could daughters at twenty five, sons at thirty. Yeah, and I'm not even joking when I say that. <laughs> like, yeah. Girls mature a lot faster. Than they they do. They understand things. You know, yeah. and some guys, I don't even know if you could say 30, you might have to go 40 <laughs> or 50. <laughs> there, there comes a point where it's a lost cause. <laughs> That's where you give yeah. them $150,000 to not be in the business. Yeah. Best investment you ever made. <laughs> yeah. As guys, I think we have a hard time growing up sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so. There, there's a lot we could cover, but uh, I think we're going to wrap it up there. Uh, I don't know. We might, uh, we might pick this one back up. Um, there, there, there's a few things that we could delve into a little deeper, uh, or maybe we'll just, uh, we'll just leave it there. I mean, there's no, there's no definitive on this, and so uh, you know, I don't, I don't want to say this is right and this is wrong, but there's a lot to think about. But, but I think we'll wrap it up there, unless you have any. Uh, last thoughts no my my counsel is always look just look internal at your practices look to make sure that you have the best people there don't you know and don't certainly don't make the same mistake twice <laughs> that's right? i because too many people do it 
I don't make the same mistake twice. I do it like four or five times. <laughs> it's, for you, it's called practice. <laughs> <laughs> That's my doctor test. I'm practicing. <laughs> All right. Take care, everyone. <laughs>